Hello and welcome to the CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmund. I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man who was kicked off a UK bus recently because snake skin is not an appropriate face mask covering if it's still attached to the snake, Mr. Shane Reeves. Well, why not? <laughs> a local man in Swinton in the UK this week was kicked off an a inner city bus because he had a snake wrapped around his neck up above his mouth and nose that he was calling a snakeskin face mask. Well, as long as the snake was less than six foot long, I think he was completely within his rights. I think if the snake's over six foot, you know, then you can't expect social distancing parameters to work. But I think it's I think you've got that backwards. I think it's over six feet. Then you just hold, hold the end of my face mask. Now, as see. long as the snake's less than six foot, then the snake couldn't conceivably, shouldn't be able to conceivably reach the other passengers. Mm. They should be six point. foot away. So that just I, seems like the type of protest that you would, okay, got to have a, a, see, a Labrador have, face mask. I would have to care a lot more, <laughs> and I just don't care. I'm I'm just at that point with with all this stuff. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Whatever y'all want to do, sure. I'll put a mask on. Whatever. <laughs> Trump up whatever thoughts you got. All right. Whatever. But anyway, let's talk about our cigars. Let's do it. What are you smoking tonight? All right. So these just came in today. This might be, is this our first um, Lancero? No. Okay. We've been doing it so long, it's hard to it's remember. True. So I'm smoking the Herrera Esteli Tienda Exclusivo. So this was only available in one shop, Riverside Cigars or Riverdale Cigars, something like that, that Drew, Willie Herrera blended this for okay. them. And Drew did a release to all their diplomats of these of a couple of boxes each, and it came in today. It's a 7 by 38. That Okay. Different, different shape for me. I like Willie's stuff. With the you exception do. of the Coalition, I like everything Willie makes. Coalition's only dud Willie has ever put out of the, out of the shop. And I'll um, see. I like the coalition. It's 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 not up to Willie's standard. It's good for a crown's head. It's just not good for a cigar. <laughs> and I'll, but it's a Brazilian Matafina binder, Nicaraguan um, Nicaraguan filler, and Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. So I've not seen a lot of Matafina binder, but there's so little binder and filler in a Lancero. I don't know how much Matafina. I'll be surprised if I could pick Matafina out of this without having read that. I probably should have read it. Probably what I ought to start doing when I'm smoking a new cigar, light it, take a few puffs, tell you what I think's in it, and then take a look at the description. Right. And I'll, but um, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see. I'm, I'm having a lot of faith in Willie here on this one. All and right. I'll, I'll be so. interested to see what you think by the time we get to the end of the show. Um, so I'm smoking something from Illusione, which is one of my... I find that whenever I'm like, you know, I'm trying to find something a little bit different for the show, this tends to be where I end up. And, and it, it, it speaks to how much I really appreciate this brand. Because throughout their entire lineup, in my opinion, there's not a single dud. This is the 88 Robusto. So like we've talked about before, Illusione makes each of their blends in one size only. And I love that. Uh, this has a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and filler. Very straightforward recipe, um, but like everything from Illusione, it's aged really well. Um, I know it's going to draw really well. I'm just really looking forward to this. Does anyone else feel a little feminine when smoking a Lancero? 
I just, you feel like you've got Cruella Deville's cigarette yeah, holder yeah, in your I, hand? Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel a little less manly holding a Lancero than I do holding, you know, a six sixty or something. You know, size doesn't matter, Shane. Oh, it does. <laughs> Trust me, it does. And all the only people that say size don't matter are the ones of outsize. So it's good. The flavor, the initial draw is actually pretty amazing and all, but I know I'm going to get to the end of this and be wishing that it had, that it was a 660 or at least a Toro. Yeah, that's the problem with Lanceros. I don't think I've ever had one. Maybe I've only had one that actually drew properly. I just have such a hard time with that. This one draws well. And the good thing about a 7 is you do get a little of that cool smoke feel, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoy, but... On to the first story of the night. Um, what are you smoking, Illusione? Illusione 88. Okay. I, we're, I, we're doing a podcast, Shane. Have you, well, you want to join the rest of us? I was consumed with trying to light this cigar. <laughs> I wanted this perfect. Well, you had a welding torch going here, to it. But here's the thing about a Lancero. You only got one shot. You can do touch-up on another cigar. But a Lancero, you better be dead on. True, but a Lancero, there's so much less surface area to get lit, it's pretty hard to do it wrong. Now, there's a reason that the little spot in the middle of the dart board is worth more money than the big rings on the outside. Well, yeah, if you're trying to light it from 24 <laughs> feet away like you are with a dart board. <laughs> it's not 20. Is it 24 foot? I thought it was 12 foot. I don't know. I was hoping you wouldn't check me on that. How could you, of all people, how could you not know that? I know. Of all people and all the times you've spent in pubs, I I bet it's like 12 point, I think it's like 3 meters, 12 point, or 4 meters. I I have looked at more dartboards than most people in this country. I should know that. But when I go to the bars, they were all, they had the lines on the floor. I didn't have to measure it out. You mean you didn't check? (laughs) We weren't that competitive. (laughs) Anyway, um, so this week, great news. Seven feet, nine and a half inches. Seven foot, nine and a half inches. There we go. Court vacates, this from Half Wheel, court vacates FDA's cigar warning label requirement. So Judge Maida, we've been talking about him quite a bit as it pertains to this cigar stuff lately. You know, and the more we read about him, the more I feel like he deserves a cigar cast honorary title. Because he's, he's actually helping out the industry lately. He's not, he's not straight coming at... He's with, with what he's... Trying to, he's not like coming out in favor, but in the capacity that he has to, we're getting some wins out of his courtroom. Yeah, but he's, he's just doing his job properly. That, but I don't know that I should give somebody an attaboy for doing the job I'm paying him for. He's a government employee. Get, doing his job properly deserves an attaboy at this point. I don't know. I'm just saying. I, he, he might be the only one. He very well could be. But he vacated the, the warning labels for the FDA. So if they want to do the warning label thing, they're going to have to start all over from scratch back at square one. Which I think is a great decision. And I really hope a similar decision is what's met on the FDA regulations in totem. Because the same reason he's shooting this down is is, is why we in the industry have been against the FDA regulations to begin with. They retrodated it. They didn't give due process and and, uh, uh, prior whatever. Well, here's what the FDA thought. Smoking's evil, so we can do whatever we want with smoking because nobody's going to stand against us. Right. And uh, we're, you know, they they assume they know what's best for us. <laughs> yeah. 
they just assume they know what's best for us, and that's what what they're starting to find out is, hey, maybe maybe there are no you know easy rulings in life. But I do like this. I am glad to see this. Kind of makes me happy. The formal comment period for was the thing I was talking about because when they first they they have since had formal commenting on the the regulations overall, but it did they didn't do that initially before it before it passed. And what's wrong? Okay, this is all caused by vaping. This is all every time this is cited is to curb the youth vaping epidemic. Can we not just go after vaping yeah. and leave the and leave the extemporaneous things alone? Exactly. I mean, the cigars leave that's, them alone. That's the that's the law you should have passed last week. Of any law has to be singular. Right. You, you can't attack multiple industries, multiple businesses, multiple things at once. It's got to be. It's what you want to do. This you want to give you want to give citizens coronavirus s- supplement money. Good. That that's that. You want right. to give it to businesses. That's something separate. You want to let's get rid of all of this. Let's just throw it, the baby in with the bathwater. Yeah, and let's and let's let all tax increases be via referendum. The problem is, think of the how stupid the average American is, and then remember that See, half of them are stupider than that. See, I know, I don't, I think we're very smart. I think we get tired of being told we're stupid. No, I think all you have to do is spend two hours on Facebook, and you'll recognize how stupid most people are. I don't know that I trust tax referendums to most of the people that would be voting on it. Hey, if they're going to ask me to pay it, I should get to vote on it. I mean, that's the that's the heart of it. If they can't make to me a convincing enough case, if I'm buying, you know, I um, had the opportunity to yell at a certain cable company the other day. Hey, do you happen to know that I'm purchasing your service? You're not giving me the privilege of having your yeah. service? And I'll, I think, you know, these people are paid by us. If they want to raise, they need to be able to make their case. And, and that, when it comes to that, I do think all public public servant salary should be referendum. I, I think anything that increases the tax burden should be done via referendum. But anyway, we're, we're on past that subject. Let's talk about charity. Caldwell Charity Cigar to benefit 911 9-11 first responders. What's the orange stripe? I know what the blue stripe is. I know what the red stripe is. Hey, you and your woke and ilk have ruined professional football for me, so if anybody should know, you should have oh, this under control. Oh, football did that to themselves. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming the white stripe is for, is like EMTs, but there's a yellow and an orange one on here, too. I don't... What is that? Hey, I'm... I totally okay, I thought you might have known. Have not, have not a clue. Okay, anyway. And I, I decided this weekend... Sorry, I have to pull the show over. I think I'm done with pro football. Because every commercial is a woke-off. Every advertisement, everything they do is about seeing who's more. Hey, fellas, listen. I don't receive my moral, spiritual, and ethical advice from guys that if they couldn't play a child's game would probably be in jail. I just, um, I, I think I'm done. I think, I hope that college football starts this weekend and it's better. Because I think I'm done with pro football. Well, you were never really into pro football anyway. No, and but you really I can't blame the NFL for the ads that they're running. Oh, sure. I, but I could go either way. I could have went either way. They could have made me a lifelong fan, or they could have run me off. They chose to run me off. Well, that's the advertisers that you're having a problem with. 
Yeah, it's it's the. But that's not the the NFL doesn't have anything to do with it. They just cash those checks. Sure, they do. Actually, I don't even think the NFL cashes those checks. I think that's all the station. The TV money. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm it's just about unwatchable. It's just about too much of a bummer to be able to sit down and enjoy a football game anymore. Yeah, I haven't watched any football yet this year anyway. At but all. that's not a boycott. That's just because I don't watch football. Well, and, and granted, now I am I am doing the thing I hate. I hate when people say boycott the NFL that have never watched an NFL game. If I went the rest of my life and never seen another NFL game, probably wouldn't bother me. Well, and the other thing, too, is how many NFL games have you ever watched in your own home? Oh, zero. Exactly. So I mean, it's whether you watch it or not doesn't matter. It's still going to be playing in here. So yeah. who cares? If I if I'm if I see football, period, it's usually it's in, in here. Because when I'm at home, I got other stuff to watch. Exactly. And all. But anyway, okay. Back to back to the charity cigar to benefit 9/11 first responders. 19 years. Has it been 19 years already? Holy cow! Yeah. Seems like forever. As of last Friday. Um. So they're going to make. 600 bundles or 6,000 cigars, whichever comes first. Um, 6,000 cigars that are going to be Robustos. They're rolled at Tabacalera William Ventura in the Dominican, and it's a Dominican Puro. And uh, only coming in one size, about 110 a bundle, so about 11 bucks a stick. And, uh, and they're going to be giving the money to first responders. The the pro the the profits the proceeds the, the, yeah the proceeds okay so let's do the math do the math together here six hundred bundles of cigars six thousand cigars at eleven dollars a cigar is sixty six thousand dollars yeah I'm gonna assume half yeah so the, that one hundred and ten dollar bundle price is retail or is M- MSRP so. Um, for those of you who haven't spent any time in the retail setting, on average, you'll hear a term called keystone, which means that most of the times when a retail store brings a product in, they have to buy it before they put it on their shelves. They mark it up to double of what they paid for it. Sure. So keystone, so your profit margin on, on cost of goods is about 50%. Um, so yeah, so we'll say, what was that, $66,000? 66000 so, so $33,000 is what the... Caldwell is actually making on each of those bundles of cigars. But then you have to factor in uh, the cost of goods, materials, labor, labor shipping, everything like that. Yeah. Let's be let's be a little generous and let's say that's 50%. Their margins probably aren't that good, but they might be. So that means we're down to what, sixteen and a half thousand dollars of profit? Yeah. From six thousand cigars? Yeah, does this this smells like a uh, a publicity stunt, a little virtue signaling. Except that, and I'm going to challenge you on this because this is one of those things that I hate that that people are so quick to do. You know, Taylor Swift pays off student loans for ten of her fans. Well, why didn't you do more? You're worth bukus of millions of dollars. Why didn't you do more? The fact that they're doing anything is. At least they're not just posting a photo that says never forget on their social media. They're actually putting their money where their mouth is, and they're actually giving back. But it's such a it, – the thing is, they're getting – you know, they're getting – I seen the articles on Aficionado, the articles on Half Wheel, the articles on Journal. The, they're getting a lot of pub off of the for but this any, 15 grand. But any new cigar they release would have gotten this much publicity. Yeah, no, there's Absolutely some that come and go. Absolutely, it would have. Not oh, from no. Caldwell. Uh-uh. 
Well, the new Ricochet came out without much of a bang. I saw it on all of the major lines. It was on Half Wheel. It was on Journal. It was on Aficionado. And I, well, maybe maybe this is grouchy old man Shane. I think it is a little bit. And I will say also, uh, one of the things that I I do kind of like about this the all the, you know eleven dollars a stick for a Caldwell is pretty good value for money. Sure, they could have they could have charged twenty two dollars a stick, but no, they priced it at a point where it's actually available to a lot of people, which means they will sell completely out. Okay, then make. Twelve thousand, then make a hundred thousand. Make you know, make enough of it. But then you have the yeah. limits of production and what's available from a raw material standpoint. We're still talking about an agricultural product, which is subject to the weather and. But it's it's a Dominican puro. There's plenty of tobacco in the Dominican Republic. Not on their farm. They still have a whole line of stuff that oh, they have they to produce. They would be happy to sell on some farm. And <laughs> no, I'm just. I don't know. It seems like... You don't the, like the wokeness, but then one time someone does something good for someone else, you don't like that either. Well, And it's even it's first to- responders, it, this which is... is a, this is a token gesture. I disagree. This is a token gesture. At $15,000, who are they really helping? I haven't donated $15,000 to the first responders. But so you're they're not, doing more than me. But you're not on aficionado saying that you did. <laughs> You're not you're not looking for any attaboys for that. And if you did donate fifteen thousand dollars, you wouldn't be looking for attaboys for but it. But I don't think that they are. I mean, they are they are highlighting a new product, and it just so happens to have some tangible benefit to people that were directly affected by one of the you know by the worst terrorist attack to ever take place on American soil, and one of the greatest losses of life in a single incident on American soil. Yeah, but the the two things aren't related. The degree so. By that, they're willing to give the least amount possible to the greatest disaster? The least amount possible would be to do nothing. Uh, Which is what every other cigar maker is doing. We don't know that. They just may have the class not to talk about it. (laughs) Okay. So, style blueprint. Connecting women to their community. And I'll styleblueprint.com. Um... Nashville's Secret Spots and Private Clubs by Jenna Bratcher. And all this is interesting. Um, you know, we're, we're based here out of Tennessee, and you live in Nashville. I'm on the outskirts, mm-hmm. and I'll have no desire to go in. But they start talking about these, these supposedly hidden spots in Nashville. Is this just a guys to try to get... Did people pay her for these ads, and it's a guys to try to get people to go there? I'm going to say... What's the definition of secret? So I'm, I'm looking at the website, and I'm going to say no. No one paid to be a part of this article because the website is just littered with ads. So sure. that's how she's getting her money. Um, so, but anyway, let's let's get a, get away from the the title of the article and all. I don't want to be. I don't want this to be the grouchy old guy cigar cast. And I'm kind of heading that way tonight. We may need to reset at the break if that's the case, because <laughs> you're not doing a good job on that. And all. So they they mentioned the standard club, and all the um, cigar for pool clubs to cigar lounges. Standard clubs, to cigar lounge, ain't it? I where are you seeing the standard? On the first, the literally no. the first na- sentence in the in the article, right under the ad from Iron Tribe Fitness, right beside the Instagram ad, right above the Van Pond Architect. <laughs> I need to draw you a roadmap of ad, of ad space. I've got members only. Sp- oh, the, okay. Now I see it. Now it was not the first thing in the ad. There was a half a paragraph and two photos before that. Anyway. 
So, okay, have you been to any of these spots that are no. on this list? No, I haven't. Most of these are fairly new, and it's funny because the speakeasy thing got really popular about 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago. And and so I, back in the day, I was going to a lot of these, but not since I've been back to Nashville. So I've heard of some of these, but I've not really, you know, had much of a desire to, to go to any of them. Is there an appeal to the high-end cigar lounge? Because all the cigar guys kind of know... But that's not true. I've been to House of Cards. I didn't realize that was on this list. Well, all the cigar guys kind of know you're going to be paying a lot more for your stick going to a place like this. And I can't imagine that Bar Cigar Especial is any more comfortable than Casa de Monte Cristo. No. And there is something fun to it. You know, especially like the Red Phone booth. We've talked about it on the show before. You know, they have a dress code and they have... The one that I went to in Atlanta with that same basic premise was called Prohibition. All of their, you know, they have black and white shorts playing on a screen and old projector style screen, the tufted leather everywhere. And the cocktails that they made were true to the recipes from the Prohibition era uh, or, you know, closely thereabouts. So there was a certain gravitas to it. There was a certain something about going to that place that really made you feel like you were going out for an event you know but some of these you know house of cards is is fun it's interesting but yeah, it's not very secret i've seen a billboard for crying and out that loud. was and that was the thing i said you know i'm you know you were talking about red phone booth all you have to do is email them or call them and they'll give you the password to get through the door and it's one of those okay fine like it doesn't have to be secret secret unless it's a private if it's going to be that secretive i think you should pay for a membership but when you start putting billboards on the side of the road, like you can't call it a secret. Now, it can be a speakeasy style, but you can't call it a secret club or a speakeasy if you're advertising on the cor- on the side of I-40. You know, I, I just kind of feel that way. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I don't want this to be the grumpy old man cigar cast, but this article kind of... T- Okay, just say, hey, here's some here's some cool places in Nashville to go. But I do think what they're doing is they're highlighting a specific type of club, a, a specific type of place. And, and, and there is something fun about feeling like you're part of kind of this underground culture. And, and while House of Cards and the Red Phone Booth may be advertising on the side of the interstate and may not necessarily be secret clubs, it, it is really kind of this this whole idea of a place where you have to go through somewhere to go somewhere else and then you kind of have to find it and it's kind of and and if we're going to if we're going to develop this type of a nightlife scenario and we're just going to call it that that's that's fine I, I think you could have chosen a better terminology for it but ultimately that's what it is it may not we're, we're using that term to to mean any type of bar that's kind of set up in a way that you wouldn't actually know it was there unless you knew it was there. Well, and I do like, okay, Embark Cigar Special, 4th Avenue in Nashville. Um, The members-only third floor, 60 cigar lockers, three rooms for members to conduct business, a full kitchen that serves everything for $800 a year. You get a cigar locker, non-alcoholic refreshments, and 24/7 access via an outdoor keypad. That's what you were saying. Yeah, I think now that to me that seems very fair. You know, eight hundred dollars a year isn't that bad. But then you got to buy you cigars on top of that. True. I but mean, you if don't they provided to, cigars, then it'd be different. But you don't have. I, if I'm reading this correctly, it means you don't have to pay for any non-alcoholic refreshments. So it's two guys like us who don't drink. That's great. 
So I can, you know, you can have your ginger ale or your root beer or your water or whatever it is, and you don't have to, you don't have to pay three dollars for a bottle of water while well, you're at your and cigar here's shop. the thing, you know, they're talking about the um, the rooms for business. You conduct business up there three or four times a year. You can just write that eight hundred bucks off your taxes. Exactly. So if I lived in Nashville, I'd probably take it. I'd probably do this. I'd probably take it. I mean, think about it. My locker here for a year is almost half that. Here's the problem. And all I've got is a box in the car. Right. But here's, here's the problem with that, though, is that if you buy a membership at a place like this, who are you going to hang out with? A bunch of guys who thought it was a good idea to spend $800 on a members-only cigar lounge. Well, but you get a couple of buddies together, yeah, you know. Yeah, but... At a certain stage in your life, by the time a man is at the stage of life when he's smoking cigars, I, I figure I could get four or five guys pretty easy to chip in, to, you know, chip in and say, hey, yeah, we'll pay the $800. Because we should, we're kind of all at that same stage of life. Yeah, but at the same time, there this is in the gulch. So you're going to be dealing with a lot of mid to late 20-year-olds who are there, like... No, this is the third floor. This is the members-only lounge. You're I not know. Gonna, they're not going to be 20 year olds yes, up are. there. Think yeah. so? Oh, absolutely. You have never been to an, a, a place like this, I guarantee it. That's true. There are a bunch of smug, pretentious D-bags that tend to be in places like these. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely call. But I, I do like the, the concept of a private lounge. I don't think I don't know how workable it is having twenty four hour access. But that was what you've been saying for months yeah. talking about this. I don't know how workable it is, but I, I would give it a shot. I, it obviously works. It's been around a while. Um, House of Cards, the aforementioned red phone booth, where you actually go through a phone booth and punch in a code and it opens. How long has Bar Special been around? I don't know. You said it's been around for a while. And I'll yeah, it says. Well, I just assumed. I'm taking poetic license here, Trey. Okay, because I, I give it about three years. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. Well, let's take a break. We're going to cleanse our palate. I will say um, the Tienda Spe- Expe- Exclusiva is good. I mean, right. it's a good smoke. And I'll, um, it's, it's, it's going to lose some points for size. Yeah. And I don't know if that's fair of me. I'll have to debate that as but the show that, goes on. Is that basically the same blend as you get in the other sizes, though? Oh, no. This is a special blend. Yeah, this is a totally special this blend. Is, yeah, this is Willie Herrera's totally special blend. Okay. He did it in 2011, 2012. Gotcha. So, I mean, I, I like it. I wish there was more of it. Yeah. Which I guess is a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll be back. here with this week's Cigar Under 8. want to talk about a brand that we don't talk just a whole lot about on the show, but it's La Roma de Cuba. This was the first brand of cigars that I branched out into once I first got into the hobby and realized this was something that I really, really enjoyed. They're still around. Uh, they're made by Ashton, so the quality of the draw and construction is always spot on, at least in my experience. Um, the Robusto, which is just kind of their mainline Robusto, has a it's the one with the red satin band is a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and filler. So it's a recipe that you that Shane and I both really enjoy. And I'm getting Grimace face from this. Oh, no, that was something oh, okay. else. This is a great, um, stable cigar. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be good every time you smoke it. The price point's always going to be right. Yeah, I'm looking at a box of 24 for 125 so that's about 6 bucks a cigar. 
the flavor is going to be there. The complexity is there. Um, there's just these are just great smokes. I, Me- I medium smoke bodied, they'll... so it's not going to hurt you. I smoke the El Jefe all the time. It's yeah. a little more than the $8, but I like the bigger size. Right. But just a absolute wonderful blend. Um, one of the few things Ashton does that I like. Yeah. So until next week, I'll smoke a lot of Roma Cuba. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who unfortunately... Didn't make the cut for my zombie apocalypse team. You're out. That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I've got I've got good reasoning, solid reasoning. One on that team, I need guys that would take a machete to a bus full of orphans and not shed a tear. You're not that guy, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. Why? Why do you need to machete a bus full of orphans? Well, one of them might be bit. At very least, their kids are going to be draining resources that could be used to survive. So. See, this, these are the reasons. What's the point of surviving if you don't have a generation to come up behind you? Well, I just have a good time while I'm here. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't live just to procreate. The other reason is you're a runner. And I kind of want somebody on my team that... That can I, outrun you? That, yeah, that I can outrun. <coughs> for whom running... I think they fight a little harder for if running is, a, is less of an option. Of course, I'm speaking Romero-class zombies. Of course. I always... Anybody, regular listeners, cigar class, no... I only speak of Romero-class zombies. Right. I don't acknowledge fast zombies and screaming zombies and all the, the and especially not dopey, lovesick, heart-beating zombies like they had in that one terrible movie, Warm Bodies. Oh, I don't know that one at all. Oh, yeah, the zombies started falling in love with people and their hearts beat, and it was it was horrible. That sounds awful. I'm, I made it about 30 minutes, and I said, okay, I cannot do this to myself. There's no reason for me to torture myself in this method. So, anyway, moving forward. But you, I need somebody that I could potentially outrun. I get that. I don't mind winging them, but I'd like to be able to outrun them. I don't think I could wing you and outrun you. No, you couldn't. <laughs> no. So, anyway, all right, let's talk about a lighter. Let's, let's talk happy. We're not gonna, this is not going to be the grouchy old man cigar cast this half of the show. Even though you and I are going to argue over this. Alec Bradley to release Art Series Mega Burner Lighter Collection. So these are the huge mega burner lighters. So if you've been in a a cigar shop for any amount of time, you've probably seen one of these because they usually have one out as a house lighter, or at least they used to. I don't see them as much anymore. Um, Sort of the half dome chrome with the, it looks looks like like a camp stove. Looks like a Bunsen burner. Yeah. Yeah. Camp stove, Bunsen burner. Greatest lighter ever made. Absolutely. Wonderful lighter. Gigantic fuel tank. It stays filled up forever. The flame on it is great. It's fuel efficient. It doesn't burn through a lot of fuel to get the cigar lit. Virtually impossible to utilize about burning down the house and or cigar shop you're standing in. I disagree with that slightly, but I but I do get the premise. It's one of those things in the in the hands of a master. It's a very great tool. But how many times have you seen people holding it wrong and and doing all kinds of? Well, there, there's a certain amount of people that no matter what lighter you hand to them, they stare at it like a monkey doing a math problem. Exactly. But this one, so you've got a clicker on one side, you've got a knob for gas control on the other, and you really don't have a hand with which to hold your cigar. So the cigar has to rest in your mouth. 
So now you have to put your mouth near this this Bunsen well, burner as flame. The, once you get the flame turned on with the gas control, that's and then you just click it and lit, and then you only have to hold it with one hand. Right, but then when you're done, you gotta keep the cigar in your mouth, set it back down, crank the gas off, turn it off. It's a, it's a two hand operation. Okay. I need a cent. Why in the world, in the history of this lighter being around for so long? Listeners, you're going to remember he issue? agreed with me that this was the best lighter ever designed, right? <laughs> oh, it's it's great. It's one of those great ideals that just doesn't work. I disagree. I think it works flawlessly. It's it's not user friendly. This is not a great lighter for being able to light your cigar, being able to hold it. You, I feel like I'm juggling. I I put my cigar in my mouth when I light it anyway. Sometimes I like a little toast and hold the cigar and roll it in my hand and, and get it just right. And you can do that with this lighter. No, you can't. Yes, you can. So you, you, turn have, the to gas cr- on. you have to crank it, then you have to hold it, then you can do the toast thing, then you have to put it in your mouth, then you have to light it, then you have to either set the cigar just down. Just leave the cigar in your mouth. How long are you keeping a cigar in your mouth? I puff. I don't just suck on them for hours. But if you, it, take, it takes th- 2.4 seconds to turn that little valve, it doesn't even take that long. It takes 0.4 seconds to turn that little gas valve off. I'm just telling Alec Bradley right now, you want to quadruple the production of this slider, make it more user friendly. But there's keep the same nozzle. The nozzle's perfect. The gas tank's perfect. Make it, and this is not a bridge too far. The concept of a lighter that when you push the igniter, the gas starts then rather than you having to manually. But this way you get to adjust the fuel on the fly, the, the flame size on the fly. That's brilliant. Who no, Alec Bradley, don't listen to him. Don't change a thing. Hey, you want to sell more lighters? Listen to me. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You want to sell more lighters? Quit painting steel octopuses on the side or octopi. Are they no, octopi? it's octopuses. Is it octopuses? Mm-hmm. Stop painting dragons and pin-up girls and all that. Though it does look cool. So the, the thing that, that's interesting about this particular one that they've just announced is, as Shane mentioned, yes, they've, they've kind of gone sort for an artistic style to it, but they've quadrupled the size of the tank. Yeah, I mean, it's this thing gigantic. is massive. It yeah. looks like a CO2 canister. Yeah, it looks like one of those rebreathers that, they, that scuba divers carry in case of an emergency. It looks even bigger than that to me. No, that would be bad. I got to grab my lighter instead of my rebreather, re-breather Steve. I'm going to have to go back to the boat. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I will say, especially if it's got an octopus on the side of it. Uh, but I will say, like, my only, my only complaint with this one, and I still maintain that the other one was perfect in every way, is that I do wonder how many cans of butane it's going to take to fill one of these things up. I bet half a can of butane fills one up. I think, I think it's a full can. I, I don't think I think half a can. It's bigger than a can of butane. But How a can it? of butane has compression. So does a lighter. That's why it's still liquid inside the but lighter. But a lighter does not compress. To, so you're telling me that I am capable of compressing butane to the same effect of the manufacturer of the butane company? No, I am saying that. Aha. No, I am saying that they compress the butane, put it in the canister, and the reason that the filling mechanism is designed the way it is is because you do not lose any compression from transferring it from the canister to the lighter. You have to lose cover. There has to be a certain amount of loss. Not not in what ends up in your lighter. Now it's not a perfectly efficient system because you'll know like you know it kind of sprays out a little bit sure. when you first that's what you lose, but you don't lose any compression when you fill up a lighter. It's still compressed. That's why it's if liquid. I, if I see one of these for sale, I will pay $150 just to prove you wrong. <laughs> I would love to know how you plan to do that. I'll bring it in empty. 
Sick. That'll be six and a half years after I buy it. I'll break it in empty, and we'll see how much of a can of butane fills it. But I'm not. But I don't know how much butane. I'm saying that the compression is not lost. Your, but your premise is that I would run out of butane before I got this lighter fuel. Based on the size in this picture, I don't know how big it actually is. It does look like it's if if the fuel tank is bigger than a can, it has a has a greater volume than a can of butane, then yes, you should be able to run out a can of butane while filling that lighter. But we are we are arguing over nitpicky details at this point, because if it does hold a can, whole can of butane, awesome. You'll never have to refill it. Yeah. I mean, how long does a can of butane last in your life? I don't think I've only, I think I've only ever bought one. Yeah. You, I mean, a can of butane lasts forever because it's compressed. Lasts forever. <laughs> <laughs> so is your lighter. <laughs> but anyway, okay, moving forward. Do you want to get to our topic or do you want to go to Ybor City? Well, I want to go to Ybor City, but let's get to our, let's talk about our topic. So I was having this thought this week about movies with the most unbelievable premise possible. What do you want to bet... I will bet you a Charter Oak that we don't have a single movie in common on our list. Oh, I, I couldn't take that bet. <laughs> you, you would have to put serious odds, because my movies are, are definitely going to be a little more esoteric in nature than yours. And now, we're not talking about sci-fi. We're, no. Okay, so let's establish the rules, the parameters of this discussion. Sci-fi does not count. Right. And uh, we're also not talking about futuristic time warp. We're not... We're not talking about movies that are meant to be, you know, we're not talking about um, Lord of the Rings. We're not talking about that genre. Right. We're talking about movies that they're like, oh, yeah, they'll buy this. And I'll, my perfect example, I, I defy you to find a more perfect example than this movie. Six Pack with Kenny Rogers. Did you ever see Six no, Pack? No, I didn't. So Kenny Rogers is a race car driver, a NASCAR driver. And... He adopts a six, six orphan children to be his pit crew. <laughs> and, uh, so, okay. Is this before the, he machetes them, I'm guessing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, way, way before. And, uh, well, he macheted, there was seven. He macheted one. That's how he got the rest of them to really get, get the time <laughs> shaved down. So he's a race car driver, and there's these six kids that steal the engine out of his car. So he finds them, finds the engine, and hires them. Can you not imagine that the NASCAR official come? Hey, Kenny. Child labor laws here. Uh, yeah, hey, um, what are the the kids working on your car? Doesn't that seem a little dangerous? How oh, they're orphans. One of them gets run over. It's not like parents are going to sue. You get back to work. <laughs> what, are you, what are you worried about? I adopted them. This is legal. And all, but that's just such a, I can't enjoy, enjoy the movie because it's such an outrageous premise. I cannot imagine a world we live in where we could put kids out there slinging tires and pumping gas. Well, it, so in a related one, the one that came to mind for me um, was Blank Check. Did you ever see this movie? No. The idea is, and I need to pull up the plot because I'm sure there's going to be pieces of it I, remember, I, I don't remember, but essentially this kid's on his skateboard or his bike or something and he gets this, this you know super high-powered executive basically backs over him and... And he's he's in a hurry because, of course, it's the 90s and all high-powered executives are in a hurry to everywhere. And he just writes a blank check and hands it to the kid. And he's like, just go buy a new bike. Well, the kid, being a bit precocious, writes it out for like a million dollars or something. And obviously, because of some other stuff that happens in a B-plot, there happens to be that amount of money available. And so he gets it. 
but there's like so it's this ultimate kid fantasy of having unlimited wealth but then there's this woman who's assigned to be his handler I guess or she's trying to get close to him and ends up making out with this 12 year old boy and we don't see a problem with that and it's like this cute (laughs) rom-com with a kid as the I'm I'm detecting a serious creepy vibe there's a very creepy vibe and and as kids we didn't pick up on it we just see this hot adult that's like yeah that's okay great but then you like look at it now and you go that was a bit problematic kind of creepy yeah, okay. I'll but just the idea that this kid and this kid walks home with a new toy, you know, every 30 seconds and his parents aren't like, "Hey, why's there a bounce house in the backyard?" <laughs> yeah. I hey. don't remember you getting a paper route. Like, hey, how'd you paper route's kicking right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it> there, Jimmy. <laughs> Meanwhile, dad's slaving away in a coal mine 30 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. I'm just I'm just saying, yeah, I could I could see that as being <laughs> a little bit unrealistic. A a more modern movie. So we went what back in time. Let's go to a more modern movie. So Kingsman. And you know, I'm certain you've seen Kingsman. I have. And I didn't put this on the list, but that's that well, I guess the Okay, go ahead. The premise of the aspect of it, the, the premise of the secret society spies and all that stuff, that's that's neither that here happens. nor there. Yeah, that that's neither <laughs> that's, here nor there true. for that's me. That's documentary. I'm not I'm not gonna question that portion of it. But the portion I question is the villain. He creates a free cell phone, free minutes, free data, free everything. And if you created a free cell phone, free minutes, free data, and all you said was, hey, twice a day, we're going to run an ad on there. Twice a day, your phone's going to kick on at 2 and 10 and say, hey, buy Coke. Right. And all. And so that's, that's, to me, doable. But I, don't think, I think the unbelievable part is I don't think the government would let you do that. I don't think the government would let you give away cell phone coverage. Yeah, probably not. Um, but but more power to you if you can figure that out. The second one, though, I, I almost would put that in the sci-fi category just because of the technology. That's And I realize that sci-fi is kind of a tricky thing to... Well, I'm not pointing... And that's why I didn't point really to the yeah. the actual Kingsman themselves. Why I'm pointing yeah. kind of toward the Samuel L. Jackson role. Because think about it. Yeah, that's doable. That's yeah. completely doable. In this era of a most fragmented market that has ever been known to man, of the era of DVR and advertisers trying desperately yeah. to get things to out get there. To get in front of people. Yeah. That's, I thought you could collect enough money, you could turn a profit on that well, deal. And the, and the follow-up to that, where it just like a, a super heroine that kind of takes over and turns people into kind of zombie-ish, it just... Yeah, I wasn't as big a fan of the second one. I wasn't either, but again, I'm saying that that, that also is kind of... It's out there, but it's not outside of the realm. Once you get rid of the private, you know, villainous lair island, you, you kind of, it kind of. What else you got? Um, another kids movie from the nineties, and this isn't just about them not holding up. This is because apparently all of orthopedic science took a backseat to this movie. It had uh, a young, uh, what is his name, Jason something, um, rookie of the year. Okay. We talked about this after the show the other day. Yeah. Um, that Maybe that's why it was on the top of my mind. This kid breaks his arm, lives in suburbs of Chicago. He's kind of a, he's one of these kids that wants to be a pro ball player, but ah, ha, ha, that's so funny because you're terrible. Breaks his arm, and apparently through the miracle of witchcraft and science, it grows back, it, like it heals in a way that gives him a supersonic bionic fastball. Sure. What? Uh, is this the one where the pinnacle of the movie, they like switch the ball for a yeah. shoe? 
Yeah. So the 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 climax of the movie is the fact that his you know because he goes to the orthopedist and who's incompetent, um, which is hilarious if you're a kid, and terrifying if you're an adult. And he basically says, yeah, it'll fix itself. And so, you know, he's in the ninth inning of the World Series Game 7 or, or whatever it is. And obviously, and he brings his arm up to throw it and he doesn't, and the sound effect doesn't kick in that goes like a right. rubber band stretching. So they have to get creative rather than just take the pitcher out of the game, which is what <laughs> every major league team does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still like it. I, I st- I, I'm still okay with uh, yep, it. I still uh, like I can, it, but, but it's so outlandish. So, so that one, but that one's kind of that's almost parody. That that almost, I'm almost going to disqualify that one on the grounds of parody. I don't think it. No, it was a feel good kids movie. I don't think it went to. I mean, it was a it was an outlandish plot device, but I don't think. I mean, the only thing that you could think was. Um, Parody was the Harlan um, what's Globetrotters? It? No, um, Harlem. Um, oh, okay. He's on Corolla's show all the time. Harlem Williams? Hey, somebody with an actual cigarette holder just walked up outside. That's hysterical. I've never seen an actual live. Cruella DeVille has just arrived at our shop. <laughs> um, I want to say Harlem Williams. Is that his name? Yeah, Harlem Comedian. Williams. He plays an, like an, an over-the-top uh, pitching coach. That's yeah. the only side, sort of parody that I would give I don't care for it. him, but I hate impression comedians. Well, he does a lot enough. of impressions. He does. Okay, so this is a Corolla favorite. I'm giving credit to Adam Corolla on this. Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone movie from 1986, where he stars as the police sergeant that gets things done his own way. It opens... He like the police have a convenience store blocked out, and he walks in and tells the bad guy he's going to shoot him, and then shoots him. And the best part, the the pinnacle of where this really gets bad is when they're at the final scene of the movie, and they're in the factory, and he's outnumbered, of course, twenty to one, and he's trying to protect the hostage. And these guys walk by this wall in the factory, and he flips a switch, and flame shoots out. <laughs> Would the fine folks at OSHA not have something to say about right. <laughs> Hey, Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, um, wear your hard hat, okay? Yeah. Wear your hard hat. Get your steel toe boots. Because flames come out of the sprinklers, <laughs> and we don't know which ones. Steel toe boots, and, uh, and don't hit that switch. What's that switch do? It shoots flame out of the wall. Why do we have a switch that shoots flame out of the wall? Well, the OSHA guy saw it, but he was more, and this is exactly how life works. He was more concerned that one of the bulbs was burned out in the exit lamp than the flames shooting out of the wall. He actually would be, yeah. This, this is exactly how life, you know, I, I see the guy that designed it, and the OSHA guy says, hey, flames shoot out of the wall. You can't have that. Show me that in the code book. Well, it's not in the code book. We didn't think anybody would ever design a flame wall in their in their factory. So, Cobra, I, I submit for it. unbelievable. Of course, the other part of it is where Sylvester Stallone comes into his apartment, pulls out a box of pizza, picks up a piece of pizza, gets a pair of scissors, cuts a piece off the end, eats it, puts a piece of pizza back in the box, puts it back in the refrigerator. What? Yes. <laughs> That's the most outlandish of any of the things that you've told me about that movie. I, I don't know. I don't know what the the thing. And Sylvester Stallone wrote this movie, so I have no idea what he was thinking and how he he thought this is. This guy is such a badass. He has pizza scissors. <laughs> well, and it, it's funny to me too because you know we were talking the other night about how every warning label tells a story, every rule tells a story. You know, this is one of those things that. 
that storyline tells a story. I would really love to know what that story yeah, is. I, I'm going to have to watch the extended director's cut just yeah. to find out why we used pizza scissors. <laughs> I, I have one that I think you might probably disagree with as either being a little too sci-fi or a little, or a little too parody, but I'm going to leave the sci-fi part out of it like you did with, okay, I will allow with Kingsman. Um, Bubba Hotep. I love Bubba Hotep. It's a great movie. Do not give See, me wrong. Ain't this, I, would, I should have bet with you. I don't want a Charter Oak. We, we've had two that we both have seen. Well, I'd say, I said had on our list, not had True. seen. Um, so the idea is Bruce Campbell, the illustrious and wonderful and brilliant Bruce Campbell, is plays Elvis. Elvis didn't die. He went into a coma because of a hip gyration. <laughs> Injury that sent him into a coma, and he wakes up in an East Texas nursing home with his best friend, uh, who is JFK, played by Ozzie Davis. Right. So I'm on board. Ozzie Davis, if you are not aware, is an African American gentleman, and and the whole the whole idea is that he thinks that after the assassination attempt, that they kind of they died him right to to hide him from the people who would kill him. Again, I'm I'm on board. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Where it takes a turn from not really fitting our, uh, you know, because it's it's a, it's a horror film about some super, supernatural and mummies and things like that wandering around this nursing home, but just the premise of well, a, of a nun dead Elvis and a, and a black JFK in a nursing home together in East Texas. See, I, I, I'm going to have to disqualify it because I could buy into that. They're, they're not asking me to suspend a lot of reality to say <laughs> that. Because the premise is that he hired an Elvis impersonator because he needed a break. Yeah. And the impersonator happened to be big on drugs and died, and that's why everybody thinks Elvis has died. I can sign off on that one. I will, I will rubber stamp that. But you think he had a freak hip gyration injury that sent him into a coma for 40 years? Sure. Well, you know, <laughs> g- genetics are a mystery. <laughs> I'll just say, largely and by, by and large, genetics are a pretty good mystery. <laughs> so, and I'm, I, can, I can sign off on that. And all you know, the, the biggest Elvis fan, the guy that actually has probably three Elvis suits in his um, closet at home had never seen that movie till I put him on it this Is that year. Right? It's yeah. been like four or five weeks ago, and he texted me, I can't believe I've never seen Bubba Hotep. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen oh, in my it's, life. Oh, it's fantastic. It, of all the movies we've described so far tonight, that's the one that I'm saying, go watch it. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you get into the really obvious ones, your, your, your octagon with Chuck Norris and the kid. But there's a, I'm, the next time we do this, we'll have to— I thought that was called Sidekick. With Chuck Norris and the kid, it may have been, whichever one, one of one of those eighties Chuck Norris, one of those eighties Chuck Norris movies, and all the, um, you know, all those kind. I think next time we have to we have to exclude movies where they were just trying to get twelve year olds to buy into it. Yeah, we may have to. They they're going to have to want adults to buy into it. Well, for that matter, then you've got Mrs. Doubtfire, sure, which is another one where that guy would have been locked up. For so many years. Oh, oh yeah, arrested, and and I don't think he could have. I don't think he could have held a straight face through the yeah, whole thing. No one is that good an actor yeah. to be able to pull that kind of thing off. Yeah. Okay. Everything you need to know about Cobra is in this picture. You notice he has a pistol with a flame shooting out of the top for oh. no reason. Oh, and I, that deep V that almost shows off his navel. Yeah. And how Sylvester Stallone didn't smoke a cigar in this movie, I'll never know. 
made it the whole w- the, the whole movie the without whole it. movie without a stick. I mean, he's even got his guns a lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just stand next to the wall tell That's Rob right. to flip the switch. <laughs> And all I mean, I'm just saying how he made it through this movie without a cigar. I'll never know. <laughs> I know I can't make it through this movie without a cigar. But anyway, I'm just something fun. You know, there's too much serious stuff in the world today. Just something fun. It's fun to look back at some of these movies and say, what what were they? How does that work? I do. You know, so I'm doing a, a side project with a friend of ours who we've had on the show called Nate McIntyre. And um, it's, don't it, give his name. Oh. It's a it's a Bond retrospective. He's got a YouTube channel called right. The Criticist. It's it's really good. I, I recommend you go check it out after you finish listening to us, of course. Um, and I've done a roundtable with him a couple of times. And basically, what we do is we kind of watch all of the movies of a given era. So you've got Connery, the Moore era, and right now we're putting Dalton and Brosnan together. You want to talk about? And I, I feel like James Bond kind of flirts the line between parody and sci-fi a little bit just because there's there's those type of world domination villains don't really exist if you exclude Elon Musk and um, Jeff Bezos. So, but some of those Brosnan films, oh my gosh. You want to talk about outlandish and especially Tomorrow Never Dies where you've got a newspaper mogul who's trying to take to create a war between China and the US to get exclusive broadcast rights in all of Asia. And I'm sorry, what? Well, the you know, when the um the sha- or not the shadow, the Green Hornet was re-released with Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. Um the most unbelievable part of that movie was that there was a rich newspaper owner. Yeah. <laughs> and all. I mean, newspapers is not the bit don't, yeah. don't Granted, see- this was released in like uh, 2000 no, 98 I want to say Tomorrow Never Dies was. So, I mean, it, w- it was a time when newspapers were still a thing. It was, it was pre-internet. So, to put a bow on it, to put a bow on all of the movies, we do have to talk about the greatest cigar-laden actor of all time. We do. October Cigar-laden? S- cigar-laden. He was laden with cigars. Cigar, should it, what should it be, aficionado? Uh, see, uh, Cigar Aficionado, the magazine, has ruined Cigar Aficionado, the phrase, for me. It has. I kind of feel like a sellout. So a friend of mine has a phrase where he says, show me a guy who calls himself an aficionado and I'll show you a D-bag. And and it it holds up. It really does. Sure. But But it has taken away from being able to call other people aficionados. It's actually made it harder to call an aficionado an aficionado. It has. uh, But October 2nd would have been the 130th birthday of Julius Henry Marx, Groucho Marx. And is there anything better? I mean, when you talk about classic actors, you know, we spoke of Bruce Campbell, who is the only one even remotely on our list. I don't care about Stallone. Only one remotely on our list close to Groucho. Yeah. Uh, Groucho, arguably one of the greatest comedians to ever live. And did so without... You know, the benefit of a comedy club. You know, he and Mel Brooks are on equal footing on a pedestal in my eyes as being some of the greatest comedic thinkers of all time. Yeah, he always had, and so much of his improv skill was amazing. His vaudevillian skill was amazing. All the things he did was so amazing and just enjoyed a good cigar. He just, he seemed to me, you know, you see guys and you're like, okay, they're a great actor. Like, Tom Cruise is a great actor. Would not be a fun hang. No. 
I think Groucho would have been a great hangout. That Maybe that's a topic for next week, or a little mini topic of great actors who you would also... Because it seems like there's a... Like, John C. McGinley comes to mind. Yeah, he'd great be great. Great actor, and I want to hang out with that right, dude. Right, the head doctor in Scrubs, for yeah. those that don't recognize him by name. He was also in 42. Um, but anyway, uh, great performance in that, if you like and the story. Stan, Stan versus Evil. Yeah. Um, something interesting about Groucho, before we call it a night. Um, so he went into vaudeville back when that was a thing, at a very young age, so he didn't get much of a formal education. He kind of learned in the school of showbiz. But he was very well known to be a voracious reader. And it's kind of a cigar cast top tip for the week. Anytime you look at these people that Mel Brooks was uh, the same way. Um, oh, my goodness. How am I forgetting this name? Um, Jerry Lewis. Also, okay. also quite a reader. You look at some of these brilliant people and that's something they all have in common. If you're not a reader, become one. Sure. It, 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 Anytime I look at people that are successful, that's one thing they tend to all have in common. Well, the HudsonReporter.com has an article about Happy Birthday Groucho, and I'm not going to read it all to you here, but I can tell you it's a fitting tribute. I really cannot find any complaints at all about this article, Happy Birthday Groucho. And I'll just absolutely like it. All right, rank your cigar for me. Uh, five and a half. Five and a half, why? It's not good enough to be a six because it's not, I mean, it's a great cigar. I, I really do like it, but it's just, it's a cigar to fill the time tonight. It's not, it's not making me feel anything. It's not making me... It's not a destination smoke. No. I've had this cigar and it been that. It's just not tonight. So the Willie Herrera, it's everything Willie does good. Um, I, I don't get the, mat, the, I get the flavor, and I probably, if I hadn't read it, it was Matafina, could have never picked it out as Matafina. Which is something you can usually taste. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good at pulling out the elements that are in a cigar. Um, but I'm going to have to give it, I'm going to have to give it a five and a half. And I'll, if it was a Toro, I probably could get to six and a half very quickly. And all, but is it fair of me to take a full point off for it being a, a Lancero? Yeah, I think so. I and mean, I, we have talked before about how size is very impactful on your your enjoyment of a cigar. I do like the intensity that I get from this Lancero because it is so concentrated. You do seem to get a little more intense flavor out of it. It's worth smoking one. Okay. If they get them in at your shop, you know, they're 12 14 bucks. Get you one. Smoke it. It's worth it. I, I can definitely say it's worth it. I would love to see Willie use this blend in some bigger cigars. I would even, even in a Robusto, it would be better at all. But this volume, I mean, and it's smoked slow. I mean, we've been talking, but I'm still, you know, I've still got a little bit, probably inch and a half of cigar left. And all at the end of the show, and I figured I would be finished well before we got to this point in the show. Yeah. But how does everybody get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us on Instagram and Twitter at the Cigarcast. Email info at thecigarcast.com and facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And post on Facebook your, your unbelievable movie premises. And especially if you've got a TV show. The TV show thing we didn't get deep into. No. Because by definition, you know, um, the bionic man, the bionic woman, and then they had the bionic dog. Right. And all. So the bionic man was a rocket crash. I would classify crash. that sci-fi, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, you probably would have to go into into sci-fi. Yeah. And uh, there does come a point, there does come a line for that. But anyway, 
Well, thank you everybody for listening to us. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.